Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Trevor. And I'm Shane. On this podcast, we take turns picking albums to discuss and review. One of us chooses an album from this calendar year, and the other chooses an album that's been around a while. But today we have something a little different. Why don't you tell them about it, Trevor? Yeah, I'm really excited to have William Goldsmith, drummer of Sunny Day Real Estate, and Greg Williamson, who produced this album that we're going to do our deep dive into, How It Feels to Be Something On. And it was really nice surprise to be able to get them on the show and ask them questions about an album that I've been listening to since I was a teenager. And I think more than anything, to see them banter back and forth and and uh, reminiscing on some of those some of those good days, it was it was fun to get to observe their interactions uh, on the interview. I was going to say the same thing. That was one of my favorite things about it was just listening to them talk back and forth about creating this album and about the band itself. And it was so much fun for me because they're a band and an album that I've listened to. I can't count the number of times I've listened to this album. And I learned so many new things that I never would have known had we not heard it from the horse's mouth from those two. Um, And it was just so much fun. It's something to check off my bucket list in terms of a something I never thought I'd be able to do. And another fun thing about starting this podcast, you just never know where it will take you. Yeah, totally unexpected. This wasn't something that we had intended on incorporating into our our podcast journey, but it's led to opportunities like this, which is really cool. It adds a whole nother layer of of diving into an album because you're talking to the people that produced it, the people that performed on it, and you're you're getting a, a an inside look into different elements that you that you may not get uh, simply from listening to the album. So, I think it, it was a really unique opportunity that presented itself. We're extremely fortunate to have had those guys. They were both fantastic guests and really, really humble people, uh, very, very personable and easy to talk to, um, fun to hang out with for that time period. And uh, it, I, I think, has, has shown us that that's a cool additional feature that maybe we could have on this podcast prior to reviewing albums if, if we're fortunate enough to be able to, to pull some people on and pick their brains and have that as as another outlet to gain insight on the music while also creating a, a another experience uh, for people. I think that's something uh, we should definitely continue to pursue. Yeah, I agree. And it was really cool to hear what the two of them are doing with their time today as well. If you're a guitar player out there, definitely go check out Greed Tone. Greg Williamson makes some pretty awesome guitar pedals and amps. And I think it'd be a great addition to a project you're working on. And then definitely go check out William Goldsmith's new band, Assertion, as well. You can find them on Bandcamp. I'll put a link in the notes of this episode. But really, really awesome. He was nice enough to share some stuff with us. And I can't wait to hear what that album sounds like when it's fully fleshed out. Yeah, the songs that William sent over after that interview were fantastic. I really enjoyed the music, the lyrics. 
I mean, I, I think they got something special that they're putting together. And yeah, definitely. If you're a fan of Sunny Day Real Estate or good music in general, definitely go go check out Assertion. Well, without further ado, let's kick off the interview episode. This is our interview with William Goldsmith, drummer for Sunny Day Real Estate, and Greg Williamson, producer of How It Feels to Be Something On. excited for you guys to be joining us so thank you up front appreciate it and thank you again for your patience so. yeah no problem so just get rolling i thought we'd talk to both of you about what got you into music in the first place and when did you know that you wanted to make music part of your career greg you go ahead um i just kind of grew up uh it kind of happened out of necessity as far as turning to a job for it but music was always just kind of part of my world and one day I kind of realized it sounded better if you made it sound better. And I kind of became obsessed with audio. And so that's how I kind of got into it is from the audio side of it. And just being my mom was a music teacher and I sang in the choir and things like that. So it was kind of something I, ha I did early on. And then just out of necessity because most things hurt my ears. So it was just kind of me getting gravitated towards something that was just natural for me to gravitate towards. And that's how I got kind of started. And then I met William, you know, when I was playing in some of my earliest bands. But I'll let William start and bring us up to that point. Well, as far as starting with Greg, um, I was... I had just gotten out of high school and I was having some issues with the law at that time. And... Uh, uh, Greg uh, kind of took me under his wing and uh, I started playing drums for the, his band, Positive Greed, and they took me on tour and got me out of town. <laughs> so, but uh, as far as my interest in music, it started when I was five years old, just basically being the youngest of nine kids and them always listening to uh, music constantly, you know, The Who to Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind and Fire. So. Was it always drums for you, William? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, Greg? You know, I ended up doing sound more than anything else just because it seemed like we were always lacking in that department. And so I just, before I knew it, I was doing sound and making gear and, you know, participating more on that side, even though there, you know, I, I play one instrument mostly and it's an instrument called a one string that I made. And I play like this one E string bass, like a bass E string. And I slide it and hit it with a hammer and I play tons of pedals. And I love to play with pretty much anyone. That sounds really cool. But yeah, and then I play guitar and bass a little bit for just my job, you know, building stuff. So, um, for my time i think I'm more powerful. don't forget about don't forget about greed well yeah i mean that's me <laughs> building stuff uh so i like building stuff and i gotta test it so i play guitar pretty much every day but i'm not i don't ever consider myself a guitar player <laughs> <laughs> i'm a guy who can find my way around a guitar a little yeah, bit nice. but um i don't think i'd ever play guitar in a band so when i played with william i was the singer and he was the drummer okay and that's uh, 
And our first, I think the first tour I ever did with that band, Jeremy was our, our tech. And then on a later tour we did when William was the drummer, Dan was our, our tech. Okay. That's right. But Dan never actually moved anything. <laughs> Dan never moved anything. He just hung out more or less. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. actually helped. He, he, he came along. He came, he came along. Yeah. He helped drive. He well, he, he came along and played just the empty set tape the entire time we were on that whole tour. He played empty yeah, set nonstop because they had just recorded it. Empty set was basically the uh, early incarnation of Sunny Day Real Estate before Jeremy, basically. Yeah, I wanted to ask you some about that. And I had heard that Greg and Dan had approached you or sorry, Nate and Dan had approached you at the same time you were still playing with Greg. Correct. Yeah. Was there any animosity there? No. Uh, no. I mean, I was playing in a band called the Igloo Sex. And then I was playing in a band with Jeremy called Reason for Hate. I was playing with Positive Greed, and then they approached me. So it was my fourth band that I was playing in. So there was no animosity, yeah. but um, then uh, Nate and Dan kind of sat me down. They're like, "We need you to. We need you to to you know." narrow your focus a little bit yeah <laughs> so yeah so then i i had to quit all the bands so sure so william made, made a wise choice <laughs> and went to sunny day that's what really happened he asked i remember when he asked me and i said well if i were you i'd probably try that out you know you've already kind of done stuff with us you know what this is like and why yeah. not try something new yeah. that's right sounds like a good friend yeah. Well, but, you know, two to three practices a night was starting to get a little hectic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. One other question I, I I thought maybe we should cover. I mean, Trevor and I already kind of know the answer, but but your take on it uh, for the listeners that don't know the origin of the, the band name. Yeah. Why don't that you was Nate. A little bit on, <laughs> that, on was that. Nate. Nate came that was up with Nate. That idea? Yeah. yeah. What was the, the, yeah. the backstory to that and kind of like the space you guys were in or like uh, how that theme, that yeah. topic came up, what that means to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was originally inspired by, uh, at that time, Nate was listening to that um, Talking Heads record that came out that Johnny Marr from the Smiths played on called um, Naked. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and uh, I can't remember what track on there, but it really, that inspired the idea. And then also kind of, it, we sort of like, over time, it kind of evolved for us, you know, uh, Chief Seattle had written a letter, you know, to, and basically, uh, in so many words, he basically just said, you know, how, how is it that you think you have the right to own land? You know, that's what he said, you know, and, uh, and then he said, you know, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said, you know, um, next thing you know, you'll, you know, you think that you'll be able to own the sky, you know, and then I guess there was an, you know, this sort of, it evolved for us, of you know, the sort of tongue-in-cheek sort of like take on that was, you know, a real estate company for the sky, <laughs> you know, basically, you know. Uh -huh. But I mean, it's as silly as that is. But uh, so yeah. But originally, it was inspired by Talking Heads, and it was Nate's idea originally. Yeah. I always thought the song 100 million on how it feels kind of tied into that as well. I mean, all the lyrics are talking about, you know, pay for the hole in the ground to place your bones, the, you know, the, the sign on the hill that says your home, all that stuff. Yeah. It reminded me of the, the title of uh, the band as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then William, you you and Jeremy played music together in high school, right? And knew knew each other. And yeah, well, we I met him when he was fourteen and I was sixteen. Uh huh. And uh, uh, yeah, we 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 got together and played, but we we didn't play together regularly until um, I was seventeen and he was. 15 almost 16 like sure. we it was, it was a more regular thing when i was like 17 turning 18 and he was you know he's two years younger than me so um so yeah we had jammed together and then later on he joined started playing in this hardcore band and then asked me if i wanted to play drums and you know and i didn't i had never played hardcore so i was i was like a classic rock kid mm-hmm. you know so so you know they basically you know you know, we sat down and I was basically gave it a shot and I was like, okay, Mark Swanson basically showed me the, uh, the, a, a different approach towards hitting the snare drum to make it cut through more. And ironically, I've hit the snare drum that way, uh, ever since then. So that's funny. So that's kind Which of became is, part yeah. of your signature sound. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. funny. Yeah. But it was basically essentially like, you know, uh, not just hitting the snare drum in the center, but l- laying the stick completely across the drum and hitting at the rim at the same time so okay awesome a lot very loud (laughs) yeah so the two of you have a a vision for sunny day real estate back in high school when you were teenagers jamming together i mean did did you ever think that you would you would make it in a in a big time band some someday i mean was that part of the plan back then or just kind of came together playing music for us was never we never ever the idea of 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 (laughs) of I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, having a career or being able to like make a living, uh, or, or even, you know, have a record come out, you know, proper, you know, or get released. That wasn't even on, it wasn't a possibility. So it just wasn't on our radar. We just knew it wasn't, okay. it wasn't in the cards for us. But then after the whole Nirvana thing happened and the whole, whatever, there was that whole thing where there was kind of this crossover kind of a little bit that changed you know, the uh, playing field a little bit. So, but even then we still, we still were on, we were completely separated from that whole Seattle music mm-hmm. scene that was going on. So it was just purely by accident that Jonathan from Sub Pop saw us play. So total accident. So. You got to show him your t-shirt, Trevor. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm trying. I'm representing Seattle over here today for sure. Well, there we go. Yeah. Can you tell us about that meeting? I, I I think I got to listen to an interview where you were talking about it. Somebody had approached you and said we want to record you. And at the time, I think you said you were didn't believe him. No, we didn't. Uh, there was this band called Engine Kid that was supposed to play at the Crocodile Cafe with a band called Skirt. And um, uh, so the singer Greg Anderson got a hold of us. They couldn't play it. They had to cancel. So he recommended that you know they put us on the bill. He got a hold of us and said, "Hey, I got you guys a show." We're like, "Okay." So we played the show. There's no one there, <laughs> but uh, but Eric Soderstrom, the guy that books the books the Crocodile, said, uh, "As an experiment, I'm going to put you guys on the Sub Pop show party, whatever show that's coming up, playing first, just to see what happens." We're like, okay, sure. So he did, and uh, I guess he must have gone up into, I don't know, I'm speculating. He must have gone to Jonathan Poneman and said, hey, you should go watch this band. And Jonathan was, I think, maybe the only, if not one of maybe two or three people in the room. And uh, and we had no idea who he was. So, yeah, right when we were done playing, he just kind of nonchalantly walked up to the stage and asked if we wanted to make a record. And we laughed, and, yeah, we didn't buy it. We were just like, sure, whatever. 
so you know and then all of a sudden it sort of started you know sink in we're like oh oh yeah this is a sub pop party oh. <laughs> like okay sure why not you know it's very bizarre must have been really exciting though it was more totally just completely surreal and bizarre yeah like we yeah. didn't see it coming at all yeah that's really cool i mean we used to dude we used to honestly just we used to like <laughs> we used to like fantasize when we were in high school about you know getting a four track and actually you know being able to make a somewhat decent four track recording that was <laughs> like the end all be all for us yeah so yeah no we have never had any we were never and <laughs> there was never any interest in being rock stars it was just all for the sake of doing it that's the way it yeah it should be yeah yeah i agree yeah i agree that's what probably kept kept you guys uh unique and, and set you apart you know stay true to your roots of not just trying to make certain music for certain people but just kind of doing it for yourselves and you know for the love of the music and it just happened to work out that a lot of people you know cling to that and enjoyed it yeah yeah there was just fluke after fluke you know I think Greg would agree. Just bizarre, random, sort of accidental circumstance, one after another. Yeah, but you guys worked really hard. You practiced like as many days as a week as you possibly could, and I mean, you guys practiced yeah, yeah, like no. four or five hours every time. And so yeah, it's not it's like you just got it handed to you. You definitely had to put in the homework, you know. Yeah, but it's because we w yeah, wanted it was, to. It was it was fun. <laughs> you know? It wasn't necessarily yeah, it, work. It was for the joy yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, we were, we were, we were definitely having fun, you know, like, you know, it was an experiment with like song creation, yeah. Yeah. Right. you know, we all came from hardcore. So it was an experiment with like actual storytelling mm -hmm. and being like, wow, we just, we just, it didn't exist. And now there's this, there's a story that exists. We created, you know, this, a painting, you know, kind yeah, of. just like it came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Kind of. And some songs would almost kind of write themselves. There's a lot of songs that Jeremy had been kicking around since he was like 13 or 14 years old, Yeah. you know? And uh, yeah, you know, like in Circles, Jeremy wrote that when he was probably 15. Really? I think. Is that right? Okay. So, so he brought that to the rest of you. Yeah, yeah. So there was song, there were most of the songs we wrote all together, but there were definitely some songs that Jeremy like just had Backlogged. sitting in his, yeah. Yeah, you know, in his back pocket. And I'm gonna try to ask this question, and and I at some point I think I got it all sorted out in my head, and then I got confused <laughs> again on the numbering. So, as I understand it, you had before Jeremy like 40 something songs written out. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like roughly 46 songs, and then so yeah, yeah. So when he joined, then we had written like. I guess about six songs, the three of us, with Dan on bass, Jeremy on guitar, and me on drums. Nate was out of town. Okay. So it was kind of like an experiment doing a sort of different side project. Got it. Yeah. And uh, so we'd written like six songs, I think, the three of us. And then, so then when Nate came back, he basically just played the bass. Dan moved to sec you know, second guitar. So then the... Uh, so yeah, so seven. The song seven was the seventh song that we had written since Jeremy had started playing Got with it. us. Okay. And then like forty-seven and forty-eight were the forty-seventh and forty-eighth songs since the beginning of the 
project since before so somewhere out there there's a seventh song there's a song called seven without jeremy perhaps <laughs> no 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 i missed no, no, no. mixed up no so the song no 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 yeah so uh the song seven was that was the first song that we wrote together with jeremy all four of us sent after nate came back but it was also the seventh song that we had written since jeremy started oh, playing with us. got it i think i'm following yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah, shit, man, my brain hurts now. Good <laughs> Lord. Very good. Well, I want to transition to starting to talk about this album. It's hard for me to pick my favorite Sunny Day album, and you ask me next week, I might pick another one. But what we do on our podcast is we just do a really deep dive into albums, and I choose one, and then Shane chooses one. And that's a really cool idea. Yeah, we cycle back between one that's been released this this year, uh, and then and then one that's at least. Now, a few years old, old enough to, to call it, you know, an older album. Yeah, cool. But I, I think most of the time you'd ask me, this is my this is my favorite Sunny Day album. And Greg, I, I wanted to ask you how you ended up doing production for this album. I, I know that you were working with Jeremy on his solo project prior to this, but tell me about the choice to have you on the production of How It Feels. I mean... Uh, can I, I can I interject? I, yeah, do William, please. Actually. Greg actually was that. Greg was the person that really brought was responsible responsible for bringing Sunny Day back together. So wow, yeah. I mean, it, Greg was really the driving force that really pushed us to to get back together and try it again. So anyway, Greg, continue. I just want to say that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, we were basically I had been contacted because I was their sound guy from the beginning and so i've been contacted by tons and tons of fans because they knew i had a bunch of rare recordings and um you know and so we were we decided i finally convinced these guys that you know sub pop was willing to put out you know kind of an odds and ends record or something and and they eventually agreed to do it so we took a lot of the old recordings from various time periods that we had and we uh, were just in there trying to see if we could put together this record. And then at one point, I remember Dan and William and Jeremy were all sitting there and they were talking about how, you know, those shortcomings of these recordings. And it kind of just got to the topic of, well, maybe we should record a couple songs. And then it just kind of one thing led to another. And as far as production, I had already done some things with them before that. Um, not including Jeremy's solo stuff, but we had recorded a song that ended up being called Bucket of Chicken. Mm -hmm. And I think an earlier version of Friday. And then, uh, I don't remember, you know, I mean, obvious, I, I had been like, you know, from day one of sunny day, I was like, I brought over the PA they set up and started using and I'd show up with my four track and record them randomly. And it was just kind of like when it came to sound, they just always kind of had me there. So after Brad had done two records and I was kind of at that point I was managing Sunny Day. I don't really know exactly how it came to, hey, we should just do this, but well I was Greg glad also we ended up. Greg also <laughs> produced the Greg also produced Jeremy's first solo record. Right, so. right, yeah. yeah. But I think I was just the right place and they were, you know, comfortable with me. 
and William had just been to hell and back, you know, with doing a Foo Fighters record and mm -hmm. leaving the band. And so probably a good idea to come back and deal with somebody that he was used to, but that yeah. he'll probably have some uh, words about, you know, before that studio session, how I kind of beat him up pretty good one time. <laughs> um, but everything I'd called him on like a year or two before, right after the Foo Fighter thing, he kind of came back and proved me wrong at the beginning of that record. I didn't even know what you're talking about. Remember that, William? No, no, you're going to have to well, tell me. Well, it was when you, okay, it was, you wanted to play on some Jeremy stuff. Oh, yeah. And my response was, nah, I don't think so, dude. You just beat the shit out of the drums. <laughs> yeah. You don't really finesse them. And yeah, you yeah. got so mad at me <laughs> okay, that yeah, when yeah, we yeah. were on How It Feels, you proved me wrong. Just need a little and It was like one of the first takes. And I remember just, I said something to him and I said, I said, you know, uh, you just proved me wrong. And he's like, yeah, I hated you for that comment. He was all mad. <laughs> he goes, I, I set out to prove you wrong. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you did because you're like a way better drummer now. I think that's one of the things I like the most about how it feels because obviously Dyer and LP2, you do punch the shit out of the drums and it's awesome, but there's some finesse that I see coming out on how it feels that I, I do feel like there's a, a change in sound. I mean, it's not just the drumming, but that's one of the things I think that makes that album so special is it was actually yeah. my entry point into Sunny Day and I went back and listened oh, yeah. to the older ones and, and loved those too, but just kept always coming back to yeah, no, I hear you. how it feels. I just think it's really smooth. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I was, um, you know, I was, uh, I was kind of, in the earlier days, I was kind of like an ADHD nightmare sort of drummer. Oh, you man, know? but it was so great. And, uh, yeah, it was what it was, you know, but I, I had to sort of learn how to, um, uh, took me many years to learn how to, to relax a mm -hmm. bit more into what I was doing, you know, so. Uh, gain more of a sense of pocket, yeah. that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> so Yeah, during the record, he would freak out about drum takes because he was still fighting that bug. And I remember I told him, well, that last one was perfect. And if you want, you can go back in there and do about 90 more takes and throw the sticks at the window. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't do that. He finally accepted that what he had done. I mean... How it feels, I got to be honest, like there, we probably didn't go past take three on any drum take. You're kidding me. Like, wow. You know, we, he would nail have those drums in like first or second takes on most of them, maybe third mm -hmm. on one just because he was thinking too much about That's it. That's impressive. We didn't use a click, did we, for that record, did we, Greg? No. No, I. Jeremy never liked to use them, and um, when we did solo stuff, he'd make his own click with a pencil. We'd record it, and then he'd play to that. So he was so against them, and I was the type that would be like, if I gave you a click, it was going to be maybe like eight clicks just to get the speed in your head, and then that's it. You're on yeah. your own. Yeah, I guess what's crazy to me is the fact that we didn't use a click for that record. We weren't using Pro Tools or anything like that. Well, we did use it. We used Pro we Tools did? the first time ever oh. on on um, the song. Uh, God, I'm gonna oh, go. Oh, every time you arrive. 
Yeah, every shining yeah. time we had my friend Jeff McNulty yeah. come in. And we none of us had ever even used Pro Tools, but I was like, I got this buddy that can cut yeah, up yeah, some yeah. stuff. And he came down and did it. And it's the loop, yeah. that drum loop. And then me and William argued over what other symbols should be on there. And I just, I remember throwing a fit going, dude, you get one crash. Like you get one smash of the symbols at one point in that yeah. song. And that's it. <laughs> and that's right at the climax of that song. You hear yes. a symbol crash. And that yeah. was his right. overdub. So, but I mean, I guess what my point was is, so we used that technology for the uh, Every Shining Time song because we decided to create a drum loop just because it was a fun idea. Okay, yeah. Because it was just going to be the same yeah. beat all yeah. the way through. But then everything else, songs like um, The Prophet, uh, you know, songs where there's really long breaks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Where, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Where the guitars, dance guitars going through and then there's builds. Those, you know, having those breaks, uh, I don't know, just doing it, that, that those songs without a click, I'm like, man, pretty crazy thing to do. But anyway. Yeah. William, did it feel really good to be coming back to Sunny Day after? I know with Foo Fighters, things were pretty mapped out for you and you, you kind of had to go in and do what you were supposed to do on the, on the song to feel like you had that creative outlet to go back and put your own signature on it. Was that something really special for this album? Oh yeah. 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 No, I was definitely, uh, how do you want to, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Creatively malnourished. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good description. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I was definitely like, um, cause after I left that band, I was kind of just like searching around trying to find that, fire that mm -hmm. drive that inspiration to want to create music again and it was very difficult you know yeah. um uh a guy named pete kramiak who is a guitar player of a band called verbal, verbal assault and ran like the sound of trains he actually is the first person that made forced me to sit down and start playing again and he and i did a bunch of stuff together and then uh but yeah so sunny day getting back together and and working on music again was definitely uh very very much so needed for me yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing it's a very bizarre because when we got together in the room and started working on the songs for how it feels it was just we had no idea what it was going to be like you know what i mean it was just we we had no interest in trying to do anything that was going to be an imitation of what we'd done before we knew that what what we did before is we would just having a really raw honest self-expression and a, and a snapshot of who we were as people and you know and musically at that time so we're mm -hmm. like well let's just do let's just do that again now you know that was and one I, of my follow-up questions yeah is is if that was the, how you approach this too is that just happened to be where you guys were at that yeah. moment it was a big departure in sound but it wasn't intentional that was you guys in that period yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was the most, it was the most, it was the only way we could be true to ourselves was, was to basically have it be an honest representation of where we were at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also read that, that LP2 was maybe, maybe rushed a little bit. I mean, even, even though it's a great album and, and a lot, a lot of fans, uh, you know, hold that pretty high pedestal as well. I read that, that maybe there was some pressure to get it out and that you kind of, 
forced it and threw some stuff together really fast. So did you kind of say like, Hey, let's not do that again. Let's go back to the drawing board and just enjoy the music and, well, and let it flow. Well, no, there, there were, there were some songs that already were finished. Then there were some songs that were almost basically finished. And, mm -hmm. uh, we were broken up, but we had to go in and, and track that record, but we weren't a band anymore. So I just didn't, didn't feel right. Well, it's not that it didn't feel right. Uh, it just, um, we weren't getting together to finish the songs, but we needed to make the record. So yeah. we essentially finished writing the songs while and ma while making the record, basically. So oh, yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, so Jeremy and Nate and I went in and tracked our parts with Brad Wood at the, um, is it Soundhouse, Greg, in, in Ballard? Yeah, yeah, Soundhouse, Soundhouse, where you and, uh so and then dan came in later and put his tracks down um and then jeremy did his vocals with just him and brad later so the melody was the most important part i know and, yeah. and some of those lyrics were just what would come out the sounds that would match yeah. the melody yeah. Is that yeah, right? yeah, the, music, yeah. the music shined a lot more than the lyrics it seemed like on yeah. a lot of those songs yeah there weren't really any lyrics uh yeah so like <laughs> So a lot of times what we would do is we would like the melody was always the most important thing. Uh, so then you would take the melody or the sounds or the syllables or whatever that were coming out. And then lots, not all the time, but many times we would shape the lyrics around the, the melody and basically almost be like, you know, this sounds like you're saying this, this sounds like this. Next thing you know, you've got like a weird, bizarre poem in front of you. But, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> It was an interesting way to do it. Uh, personally, there's some people that tell me that they're like, I'll write lyrics and then I'll write a song to the lyrics. I'm like, how the hell do you do that? I'm like, I can't even imagine. It's like, how do you yeah. like all create a melody to these words? It seems so, I can't, yeah. I guess you could do it, but it's right, so yeah. crazy. I have heard that. A lot of people will start with a poem. They'll start with, you know, pen and paper, and then they'll just try to put music to it. Uh, yeah. But, I believe that that can work. I just, um, I just, it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, never done. Yeah. Were there songs on how it feels that were written that way as well, lyrically, or, or was that something that was more on the first two? I know, no, yeah, no, we did that. I think Greg, don't you remember that? A lot of the lyrical. Um, oh, dude, there would be everyone would be sitting in the control room, and they would be trying to figure out his melody, what it said. No, no, he had his melody. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but but he, they would come up with the lyrics, and I think, like I remember even writing the very last line of uh, the prophet. Mm. Yeah. Like I was sitting there, and they were trying to come up with something, and I spit out oh, like something. The earth comes alive with the frozen ground, or something. But they, yeah, would, no, they great, would all great. sit there and write them. We would all get together and work on it. So, you know. Awesome. Nice. That's amazing. I think that people derive so much personal meaning out of something like that. I mean, a really good songwriter that's a really good story you can appreciate. Yeah. But it's pretty cut and dry. And something that, that's open more for abstract. interpretation yeah. Yeah. you yeah. can yeah. insert right. your, yourself into. And I think that's pretty amazing. Well, Two Wrongs yeah. was one like that. Two Wrongs was a song that was written. And then after it was written... One of the members came forth and made some comments about things being a little too close to home about some family stuff. And 
yeah. that thing had to get some of the lyrics changed. And yeah, I remember talking to Jeremy and saying, Hey, can you do an octave lower than what you're singing? And let me just mix it in really low. And I said, I just want people to feel run really uneasy when they listen to this one. I don't want them, I, I don't do. want people comfortable. <laughs> I want them to get kind of edgy. Mm. And, and so yeah. I mixed in an octave lower vocal to kind of, make you not okay with that song in a way because of the content make, wants to make you feel a little weird i think it does two promises is that the one you're talking yeah, about? yeah two promises two promises <laughs> okay yeah yeah Long days, caught in his room, trapped in the yeah i did just the lyrics and the way it was, I just, I just felt like that should be like that. Yeah. So that was one thing I remember doing. And I would always ask what the lyrics were. And sometimes, you know, you would understand exactly what Jeremy was saying. And then other times he'd go, well, I don't know what I'm saying. And then, you know, he, he would be all over the place. And sometimes you, I like that fact that you could draw from what you wanted, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask about the prophet as well. Who is the chant where does that come from well, that's jeremy that's jeremy okay i always yeah. assume maybe it was somebody else because you can hear him over top of it as well well oh, yeah, yeah we he just, just he just layered, layered right, it. right yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, he would okay. do the so um the well. shot and then yeah, he would I wasn't sure if there was come a over the top in there. no that's it was amazing. all most of the stuff on that record was jeremy would just write his main melody so when it would come down i would just honestly half the time can we do an octave up can we do an octave down and then I would blend things. And on occasion, I would have him double in just lower voices because it always, when you mix it in just slight, it would be amazing. A lot of times I'd put doublers on him, but I just kind of, you know, keep him straightforward yeah. for the most part. And yeah, Jer Jeremy's Jeremy's low, lower octave, low vocal is very haunting. It's very cool. No, it Definitely. is. Yeah. 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 That's why I would just have him his, do that. His vocal range is really incredible. And Sunny Day wasn't about like multiple part harmonies. It was more of keep it kind of simple and move forward. And I think that um, that's what it ended up. And there was, you know, the end of, is it the prophet where there's the chanting and stuff with, mm. or is that, uh, I'm from spacing which song it was on, but the end of one of them, there's a group sing. That's, that's, uh, that's the prophet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was uh, that was it, that was recorded in this room that was like thirty feet high and all rock, and it was yeah. crazy. It sounded yeah, like and that you was were all in a of us together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's really cool. Were other ones recorded in different spaces as well? Um, most of it was recorded. We were up at a studio called Bob Lang, and we. There was one main big room where we did the drums and did most of the stuff. And then there was just le weird little quirky rooms like that brick room that kind of was castle like. And then they had a little wood room and then they had various hallways and stuff. Um, but it was all at Bob Lang's. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was there. Okay. Is Bob Lang still there? Oh, yeah. Still yeah, there, right? Yeah. And it's gotten bigger and, you know, eaten up more of the land. Yeah. Is um out of curiosity, Greg, is uh says since the technology has sort of leveled the playing field and made it possible for people to be able to like make records literally in their own homes now, has that like made it more difficult for 
recording studios to actually get people to come in and spend money to record there? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at you. You didn't. You you guys almost had me mix your acceptance record, but you know, then Justin took over, which honestly it was a great choice because his mixes are amazing. Wait, which record? Your record. <laughs> Oh, the assertion record. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still own a studio. And honestly, I'd never go there and do anything unless one of my friends calls me and says, "You want? can you record me something? I never go in there with mm -hmm. anyone else. Uh, that's what all the yeah. other engineers do. They do all the records. <laughs> I just yeah. like working with friends at this point. Yeah. I mean, after, uh, after my first experience making a record in – my in our in where I was living in my home, I never ever wanted, to, I never wanted to do it in a studio ever again. So, you know, you just have more control and. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just um, there's a lot of aspects to it. Part of it is kind of like sometimes you can use the house as an instrument in itself, mm. finding really bizarre places to put mics. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, but you know, um, but you know, just being able to do it yourself and not. Sometimes going to a studio feels more like you're, you know, in a waiting in a doctor's office. Well, you're on a clock. You know, you're on a clock at a yeah. studio. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what it comes clock. down to. Yeah. At your house, you're right. not yeah. on a clock. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, that makes it sense. just seemed more seemed more logical to take the money you'd spend. Sorry, Greg. I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> the money that you'd spend on a and, and go on a studio and just like invest in mics in your own mics in your own setup and you know and try to figure out how to do it yourself now granted i'm no master recording engineer actually quite the opposite but um it just so happens that justin tomenga has he is uh, good at that and as we've been working on this new record he's been we've both been learning as we go and he just sort of is getting better at it so it's been a good experience so yeah that's but great. yeah yeah that's why I asked if Bob Lang was still there because I was like, you know, are they still in business? Because, oh, you know, yeah, so. no, he still does well. He's upgraded okay. some stuff. Cool. I don't think the fish tanks in the wall anymore. <laughs> Greg, were there songs that um, were going to go on the Frog Queen that ended up on How It Feels or vice versa? I know they were recorded at, at the same time and at the time well, Jerry was yes. writing it. There's how it feels to be something on that song was a jeremy song that was we actually i think started even recording it for his second lp after frog queen okay and then guitar and video games was one that i remember was written in sub pop east uh back in boston sub pop had a house in austin in boston where you could stay and we were there on the jeremy like on the frog queen tour and I remember I, we were there with Seth Otto and it's, uh, just a few people. And we were sitting around and Jer we were playing video games. And Jeremy just started like what he would do sometimes where he'd just start making up lyrics about whoever was sitting around. And, and he was just started talking about how we were, you know, playing, playing guitar and video games. And <laughs> it was funny. And we had some crazy sing-along. And, you know, he, uh, you know, he had already kind of sketched out some part of this song in his own head, and that turned into that song. Should we come dancing here? We'll play guitar and video games. Um, the rest of them, 
I don't, I don't think actually. I don't think I knew anyway. that. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think I actually knew that until just right now. Well, I remember up. at one point Dan took credit for writing that song, and Jeremy was very <laughs> mad. He's like, "Dude, you remember we were sitting there, we wrote it all together," and I'm like, "Well, you wrote it. We just kind of were having fun, singing along, having a good time, you know." Um, but yeah, that's how that one came together. The rest of them were all written over at Jeremy's old house in Fremont. And I remember, and you're going to have to correct me on this, William. I kind of remember Nate either rehearsed with you guys or got really close to rehearsing for it or never did. I can't remember. But I remember when all that stuff went down when he decided not to be part of it. I just don't remember if he had rehearsed with you guys prior to that. Yeah. No, well, uh, so basically he said we had talked to him and he said that he was going to do it. And then, so then we started working with Jeremy and I and Dan started working on songs and then it, we just, and then we didn't hear from him, didn't hear from him. That's didn't, right. And it just for, for months went by, we didn't hear from him. And then uh, it had gotten to the point where we were kind of, uh, you know, ready to just move forward without him. And then out of the blue, he calls and he said, are we going to make, so we're going to make a record. And I, I was kind of mad and I, maybe I should have said this, but I said, not with you. And then I hung up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But you know, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that was a good way to deal with it, but we were very frustrated. We were wanting to move forward. We, we couldn't, he, there was no word from him. And then, yeah. then all of a sudden out yeah. of the blue and we're moving forward. He's like, Hey, and we're like, you know, so, you know, but Hey, but I mean, you know, I remember from, experience that you know food fighters you know busy schedule it demanded your time yeah yeah William, you were behind the the title of a shark's own private fuck I heard that was your your idea is that true yeah (laughs) tell tell me how did that yeah where'd that come from oh uh oh man um I don't know if I should get into this. Uh, uh, William, you might you know, want to skip that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip going into detail about that. But it's uh, on a general, as sort of a general sort of explanation. It's just about. Um, oh God, never mind. You know what? Gonna, <laughs> but you know, just yeah, yeah, the title in itself. You could just, you know, just, what do you, you know, it is, it sounds like it, it sounds like it. I, ha- I have some theories. It we'll we'll let it go. We'll let it go. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to transition to a much lighter one then. Tell me about um, the story behind Roses and Water. Cause yeah, I, heard, I was going to ask I heard about that. that. has a yeah. more lighter story to it. Right. That's much more lighthearted. That's about an ice cream flavor. That's something we is, can talk about, it right? It is. Yeah. That song. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that the lyrics are basically about ice cream, but the inspiration for the uh-huh. title of the song was Rosewater Ice Cream that we would have. Yeah. Okay. From yeah. Kabul. Where, where does that come from? It what, came I mean, from this place called like? Kabul. Kabul. So, okay. yeah, yeah, restaurant. Afghani, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they do got some bizarre flavors. like. And it was, it was yeah. a restaurant that Dan liked to go to, and everyone yeah. else ended up really appreciating it. And the yeah. Rosewater Ice Cream was amazing. Yeah, it nice. became a ritual. It was a ritual, basically. So yeah, that's where it came from. That's where that one came <laughs> that's from. That's simple. Guitar and video games. It's there's no hidden meaning. It's 
the, yeah. the title, you know, inspired <laughs> by that. But yeah. but as far as like the other the lyrics for the rest of the song, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. get into that when we do our analysis of it for sure, or or we'll try anyway. We'll do the best we can. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, is there's some there's some songs that have subject matter that we that um, and I'm not even talking about the like things like the sharks on private fuck but there's other songs that the subject matter is 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 too dark for for us to be able to talk about okay openly. yeah sure so, yeah because yeah. and then it's it's yeah it's just you know it's not our it's not our place to discuss it yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense but at yeah. the same time i think as a, as a listener even if you don't know the backstory and and what really uh you know like inspired the the song the 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 lyrics are are general enough that i think they can speak to a lot of people and uh mm -hmm. you know you can you can really dive into it like yeah, we, yeah. we had a lot of fun dissecting and trying to figure out and like trevor was saying before you know like a real good folk song with with a story that really flows well is is, is cool but um if all the answers are given to you as a listener it's it's not as fun as at least for listeners like us it's not as fun as trying to interpret those lyrics and uh yeah, dive I mean, into it you find your own meaning you know you apply it to your life and that, that makes a good yeah. song yeah and what's interesting is there were a lot of sunny day real estate songs that had lyrics that were genuine that were maybe even accidentally on came from a subconscious level mm -hmm. uh, yeah. through the process that we you know ended up writing them so very bizarre and interesting so yeah and you can really hear that with the with the music and the lyrics i think like a lot of albums you can tell okay this was a lyrically driven song and then they just put some music to it to make it a complete song um but like with with, with a lot of the songs on how it feels the the music the the drums the guitar all of that is is telling the same story as the vocals at least like in the mood the atmosphere that it puts you in you kind of even if you didn't know the words you kind of get a sense for what what's going on and i think that that's really special like that shows how much you guys jived on some of yeah. those songs. Yeah, I mean, it's important to be able to have the melody tell the story itself without even words, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like the, yeah, the actual melody should be able to tell the story, you yeah. know, regardless. So, yeah, yep. that makes sense. It does, you know yeah. I mean? yep. Yeah, like an instrumental version of the song yeah, yeah. stripped away would, would kind of give you the same same feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 I mean, you know, awesome. uh, I mean, I, I'll put it this way when jeremy was singing you know whatever words that were coming to mind like you know off the top of his head or whatever or just or melodies and sounds uh uh he was singing the sounds the melody that was coming out he meant them if that makes sense they were they were not contrived i mean it was like um you know he his soul was screaming regardless mm -hmm. of it being uh, you know, like the lyrics were already concretized or not, the melody was, you know, what it really was about. So yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Enoch, Jeremy Enoch is a musical instrument unto himself. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never thought of that applied to the words, but I always think about that when I think about his, just that he sounds like an instrument to me. Yeah, but... But at the same time, I don't want to take away from the his strengths as a lyricist. He's a really, really gifted lyricist as well. Like if you take the record, the Fire Theft record, all the lyrics for that record, all him. He did them by himself. Nobody helped him. 
that was all him that jeremy wrote everything hmm. so wow. there and so and that's and those lyrics are very deliberate very focused so i mean jeremy you know is always you know surprising you left and right he's, amazing. he's very brilliant he's a genius basically. yeah 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 cool very cool. I want to ask both of you if you've got a part of this record that you're particularly proud of. You know, Greg, on the production side, is there something that you remember doing or creating that put a signature sound on a song or the album as a whole? And obviously a drum part for you, William, that stands out to you. Is there, is there parts like sure. that in this album? Well, Roses and Water, there's two things. I love the way everyone wondered how to start it out and i just kind of felt like it should have feedback because sunny day there was always feedback going on and i figured it would just be after all these years the listener hears that thing that's familiar that it might take them back to the moment and not judge the band being broke up for years and coming out with slightly different sound and so i liked how it started out with the feedback and then i just love how that feedback dies in one speaker how rose and water starts in the second speaker Roses in Water, just fidelity-wise, I don't think I've ever produced a better sonically fidelity song than that one. That's a, yeah, it's a beautiful song. And then every shining time you arrive, I just remember having just a drum loop and me and Jeremy just sitting there going, well, now what? And we just started, and I just kind of helped him with arrangement. Hey, put something here. Let's switch to a piano. Let's switch to an organ. Let's try this. And we just tried to make a song and that was fun because that was like me and him how we do it when he would do his solo stuff texture yeah and then i uh, remember uh 100 million we came in one weekend and we had this studio blocked out for months and we came in one weekend after we let someone just kind of come in for a weekend session and the effects unit was set up in some weird echoey way and I remember walking in and turning on the tape machine and hearing Jeremy sing 100 million. It was like million, young, young, young. <laughs> and it just kept, and it was amazing. And that's how that came to be. It was just pure accident of me walking in one morning, flipping on the settings after someone the weekend had been in and our stuff came on and it wasn't meant for that. And that ended up being a real signature thing of that. And then at the very end, the days were golden. I turned William's snare drum into a Sansa classic and it just sounds all metallic y and just so much fun. Um, Sharks is the one song that haunt, mm-hmm. haunted me. By the time I was ready to mix that song, all I can hear is Morris code through that entire song. I spent way <laughs> too much time with I lo- it. I love that bass and guitar it's opening t- on that song. That's a nice. Oh yeah. Well, that was Jeff Palmer. Yeah. Jeff Palmer. Jeff Palmer no, no. came and did the record and then a couple shows. Um, and then, uh, decided to go on his way he was a great bass player and it was funny because we're used to have a mate so we're like trying to give him a p bass and you know trying to tell him well this is how nate plays it and you know he 
was a trooper and I think did a really good job considering what he was dealing with with us especially <laughs> yeah no yeah I have to say that Jeff Palmer uh the, his bass playing definitely oh, yeah. added a lot to how that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for sure I think about yeah. that on pillars you're yeah. you're doing your drum part and he's playing that bass part is just it, it's yeah, I yeah. mean that's that would make that's what makes that song those that, two that together. plays together so well too yeah. that's an awesome part Hey Greg, Greg, did uh, did Jeff and I track the drums and the bass I live together, or did he overdub? overdub the bass? I think I, if I remember correctly, we did everything separate. I think you might have played live with Jeremy, really? okay. like. No, I played. I remember. I remember specifically tracking with. Yeah, maybe Jeff we did, well. and then maybe I don't remember. I. I remember because I, I think could we see did his face. have all of you guys <laughs> go through, and then we went back. Maybe you guys all tracked it live, and then we went back and re-cut some stuff. That's yeah, that's what we, we did. did. But I, I see. I for some reason thought that that some reason thought that Jeff Palmer and I Jeff like no. Because here's what I do remember. I remember with Aaron, um, that engineer, the sick assistant. I remember leaving him with Jeff because. Mm-hmm they were getting so anal about the bass tracks that it was driving me crazy. And I just told them, listen, mm-hmm. how about I go upstairs and play, you know, Goldeneye with everyone else in the, in the, in the, you know, room, the lounge. And why don't you guys come and get me when you think the bass is good enough? And so they would come and get me and it actually worked out really well because anything that they thought might have been bad or not good they knew wouldn't get by me and it was nice because i didn't have to sit and listen to these guys like freak out over one note at a time and try to like punch in single notes and you know and this is all pre pro tools so we're running two inch tape they're rolling the machine back punching in notes and and i would just come back and stamp it and go yep that's good nope go fix that you know, and so I remember going through those bass lines like crazy because he didn't have a lot of time with you guys either. And he was a really good player. I mean, yeah. he did an awesome job. Yeah. But we also yeah. were building that. Definitely. I felt like it was the first time Sunny Day had three months in the studio, you know, and I think everyone else probably was done within two weeks. And I know we were well into the bass by that part. And then we built... I think, I can't remember who would go first between Jan and Jeremy, but I know me and Jeremy would spend a lot of time with all the extra layers and the vocals. And Yeah, I think usually, the historically, Jeremy would track his guitar, and then I think Dan would usually yeah. track his after that. Yeah, Dan yeah. would always play the tricky part, yeah. so he would have to spend a little time getting it right, because he, he never made a simple line which is what made it really cool because Jeremy would come through playing simple things and accenting against Dan's like just chaotic, you know, weird lines you would write. Yeah. But it, it all worked out. Oh, I mean, uh, sure. You said you had to get it right. I, I think, I think you guys did it. Yeah, for <laughs> it's a sure. Great album. I got a question for either, either of you guys. I know you said some of the, some of the songs have a, a deep meeting that that's uh, almost too personal. Some of the band me- members to uh, talk about, but 
you know, one of the things Trevor and I do on this podcast is dive into the lyrics and try to dissect and find meanings that maybe the average listener wouldn't have picked up on. Uh, is there any deeper meaning of specific songs or, or the album as a whole or any, uh, uh, like any uh, context behind it um, that maybe we would have not picked up on that, that you guys could uh, elaborate on? Or I feel like one thing is in the title, the title, man. I think the title, if you say yeah. that line, I kind of just felt like it was the first time where Sunny Day just felt totally on. Like, and that's what I always took yeah, from the meaning of that song, whether that was just my own personal feeling or not. But it felt like that was the record for me where it's not saying the other two records. I'm not even commenting on those because I love both those records. Sure. Right. I just felt like it was the first time these guys got a chance to spend time and really flush stuff out. And I just felt like that really summed sure. it up. Like how it felt to be on, you know, something on. So what what does that exactly mean mean to you guys? Trevor and I talked about that a lot, but you know what what does it mean to you to to be something on? Well, for me, it was just watching them nail that record. You know, mm -hmm. that that's what it was for me. All cylinders firing and just everything flowing well. Yeah, for me, it actually for me it always was uh, the way I always interpreted it was how it felt to be um, some someone that um, felt things too deeply. Mm. <laughs> you know you're constantly like absorbing you know like uh the the energy of people around you you know that's how i always interpret it but that's probably just because that's how so i felt like a like a heightened <laughs> well, level know. of being on like kind of yeah taking like all uh, your, all uh, yeah, your sen yeah. sensory stimuli and just kind of like really being aware of everything yeah yeah sort of like an and an, an unfortunate and uncomfortable level of um I intuition and mm -hmm. uh, perception yeah. i guess yeah. yeah yeah i can see that yeah that's cool I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. I want so to give me. you a chance to answer that question too about is there a particular part of this album where you feel like your drum part really shines or that stands out to you as something that is your signature on this on this album? I know there's a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, uh, my, I, I was happy that, um, like I said, to, compared to like you know the the drums on like say diary in the pink record i just was happy that i was moving more in a uh direction of you know a, a better sense of pocket mm -hmm. and you know what i mean and consistency and things like that you know and um so yeah that's one thing that i i don't feel like i you know uh you know had some great triumph in that regard but an improvement let's put it that way as far as that was concerned so you know i mean it's an interesting it's a weird thing playing music, you know, with your friends, you're all self-taught and essentially you start making records and you're really young and basically people are listening to you learn how to fucking play yeah, over yeah. the you know, you're basically, right. Yeah. Right. you know, you're making records and at the yeah. same time trying to learn your, you know, your instrument yeah. and evolve yeah. it. So, so yeah, it's a very strange thing, but you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's the way true. It I never thought about that before. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because we never really, you know, making a record wasn't something. Because I remember when we started, uh, when we tracked Diary, man, I was so terrified. <laughs> well, the whole time, you know, that's what always bummed me out is I was like, I was so nervous that I, my, the, 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 the drumming on that record, as far as I'm, in my, my, my opinion, uh, just, uh, I wasn't totally at my best because I was so terrified. 
I think it's interesting if, from a listener's standpoint, as I mentioned, this is probably my favorite album, but joked that if you ask me in a week, I might pick a different one. But having said that, there's still something really special about exactly what you just said, being able to hear you guys in whatever moment that you are and appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a drummer, so from a technical standpoint, one versus the other, maybe I would get buried in that if I was. But just as somebody that appreciates the emotion of it and, and hearing you guys be who you are at the moment, I, I wouldn't want anything to change. I, I feel like the way that you play drums on Diary is how you're supposed to play it on Diary. It's, exactly. It is what it is, yeah. you know. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, the thing about the How It Feels record is, like, I, I, I actually, like, I... Um, like I can't ever, I can, I can't listen to Diary or the Pink record really, <laughs> not very much at all. Just for that very reason, I'm always like, uh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, or you know, decisions that I would make that were so just naive. Like why, why did I hit the bell of the ride and the brake? Why yeah. did I do that? You know, it's just like it was this weird Tourette's <laughs> or something. But uh, anyway, but uh, just silly decisions, you know. But uh. But how it feels is um, that record is uh, it surprises me that people can it's such a personal record and it seems like the kind of record that almost isn't meant to be listened to. Hmm. Uh, it's almost an uncomfortable record. So to me, like some of the real estate music is kind of uncomfortable. Like you know what I mean? It's not the it's not party music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more like you know I don't know. So, you know, it's that that makes sense. So it, it's, a, it's a very haunting record. You know, someone once told me that they took acid and listened to that record. And I was like, <laughs> sure. I was like, man, maybe not that's a good a, idea. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. But he was okay. <laughs> but man, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that record is scary. You definitely got to be in the right, in the right space. I, I don't think it's like an album that you just put on in, in the background or, or put on while you're working out or something. I mean, you, you got to really want to get into Absolutely. it and, and like, Really yeah, get yeah, lost, yeah. lost in the music, yeah, 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 and yeah. you got to be ready for that too. You know, it's got to be the right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that's the weird thing. It's just, it's kind of like you know, it's you. It's a mm-hmm. challenge to listen to that record in a way you have to. You have to want to listen right. to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's funny so, because yeah. I, I think I have a different experience just not having lived through the the specifics of what you guys were going through and what you might have been writing at the time. Because I see there's a lot of energy and optimism in certain parts of it that uh, I derive from it just because of my own experience and the way I relate to those lyrics that aren't so specific. To me, there's places where I feel an energy and, and a kind of a positivity, too. So I think it's just an interesting difference in how people can take in art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my perspective could be completely <laughs> Well, my yeah, own. that's, that's you know the great thing about, about yeah. music. That's what I was alluding to earlier with, with like the lyrics being a little bit more abstract uh you can probably interpret them different ways depending on your mood so like if you're you're in a good mood you might focus on some of the positive spins off it otherwise maybe you dive into some uh maybe some of the darker messages but i think either way it's a it's a very real and honest you know album it's not sugar-coated or fake or like trying to do anything it's just kind of i mean it it feels very genuine whatever message you get from it it feels like you know it's 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 real yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah that's one thing i'll say for that band is it was always an on there was always honest self-expression there was nothing you know contrived about it it was an it was it was it was straight from yeah from yeah. here for yeah. all of us so that's really yeah, i mean it was really basically cool. us yeah 
it was an extension of us as human beings, but then collaboratively. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Feel that. Yeah, for sure. I know that was an important part of the band too, is to, um, keep some mystery. And I know that that's part of why there wasn't a lot of interviews and there wasn't a lot of music videos. And then the not playing in California part, I wanted to ask, ask you guys about as well. Uh, you're asking yeah. the wrong guys. <laughs> didn't come from you two. That was Dan. No, no, that didn't come from us. That was Dan. I'm not saying. Yeah. I said it. It was Dan. <laughs> you know, but the thing that I find funny about it is when we finally did go to California, um, we played like a sold out show somewhere to a lot of people. And Dan was the first one say, yeah. saying, why do we wait? <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. There was a lot of rumors going yeah. around, though. I remember all the rumors um, were pretty funny to hear. I don't know if we're ever going to get to the bottom of that. Only Dan can answer <laughs> that <right>. question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but we didn't, uh, as far as like the not doing interviews thing, I think there were a lot of, it, we didn't do that intentionally to try to create some sort of mystery behind the band. It was more kind of, um, there were a lot of different reasons why. I think one of the reasons was we came from kind of like, you know, the sort of like punk rock background where it's just like, you know, doing interviews, this is like, you know, it's like, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, why would we do an interview and talk to you when we're, what we're doing is playing music. Anything we would have to say, we're saying through that. So that's the whole point. So as time went by, you know, you get a little older and you realize, you know, especially retrospectively, if you've got more of a story, you know, under your belt or like, you know, background that there is something to talk about, then it makes mm -hmm. sense. But I mean, you know, we, there were a lot of different reasons, but it wasn't, oh, it wasn't a decision to try to create, it wasn't some yeah, strategy. Okay. Sure, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You're just focused on the music and didn't really care about the attention yeah. and press and, you know, like pursuing that yeah yeah much. right or wrong for yeah right or wrong or for better for worse or for worse sunny day didn't do anything strategically if we if we did we probably would have yeah as a matter of fact like we probably could have used some str sure, strategy yeah. as far as how we did things but you know yeah so yeah but uh yeah we were weird <laughs> i guess what about the nordstrom ad though that wasn't going to catapult you guys yeah to right mainstream? <laughs> Now that, now that's I'm glad you brought story. that up. Now that's forgot. a story that I would actually. Yeah, who is who is that extra guy in there? We're curious. That's Eric. That's the guy. That's that's Eric Soderstrom who got us that show us on the Sub Pop Party show at that booked ah, the crocodile. Okay. okay. Basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so when we were signing to Sub Pop, Nils Bernstein goes, "Hey, do you guys want to make like fifteen hundred bucks?" Because he knew that we were like broke you know so he's like do you guys want to make like 1500 bucks and do a nordstrom ad for grunge clothing and you don't even have to use the real band name just use a fake name we're like and we were kind of into the whole like you know you know uh you know basically ripping them <laughs> off and like you know yeah. fucking with them so we we're like oh totally so it was a big joke to us we were like man we're fucking ripping nordstrom off <laughs> and giving him a fake name and we thought it was hilarious because so the name we gave him was Flattenberdah. <laughs> so it was hilarious. There was going to be this band with this ridiculous name and our pictures and we we're going to, it was a yeah, big yeah. joke, right? And we would get paid yeah, 1500 yeah. bucks. So, <laughs> so this is where it backfired. So, um, 
so those pe- there were these people that were putting on like a festival that basically got a hold of Nate and they said, hey, after we had done the photo shoot and they were like, hey, we were interested. We were wondering if Flattenberg <laughs> would be interested in playing with, uh, this festival that we have coming up and they were going to pay us. I don't remember how much, but a reasonable amount of money. And they was like, oh, my God, we have to do it. And he goes, but that's not really our <laughs> band name. So then he gave us our real, our actual name. So we had done the photo shoot, but it hadn't been, they hadn't like, you know, uh, it hadn't come out yet. It, they, you know, they, <laughs> so he gave them the name. They put our real name in place of the fake name. And then the ad came out and then the show that they offered us got canceled oh, anyway. Man. And we were like, <laughs> they were like looking at Nate going, dude, <laughs> dude, it's like, you just, dude, you just took a joke. And you you know the jokes on yeah. us i guess and then even worse is then all of a sudden it turned into life-size cardboard <laughs> cutouts that were in north, no north way. All across oh, man. The I, I would kill to have one of those yeah. i remember yeah, i mean you know my through. mom my That's mom loved it. my mom thought it was great i was like mom oh, wow. no it was not how it, it wasn't That's supposed what to be she was most proud of it's like you know i i've got some great albums people like the music yeah, yeah. but you were a cardboard cutout yeah, no. it was my son is really famous yeah, no, you've no, yeah. seen him at nordstrom yeah at no, a nordstrom no, cutout. I, no yeah i have to give my my mom i have to give my mom more credit than that no my mom very much so appreciated appreciated the music yeah, but she was into the novel sure, you yeah, know whatever yeah yeah my mom she's a mom right you know yeah. but i mean uh so yeah that was a big oops and and actually we were kind of worried that basically we just completely screwed ourselves and lost all credibility you know <laughs> but you know actually the fact of the matter is it's, it's a really funny story yeah it's, it is yeah you know. <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's great yeah 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 i actually used to have one of the cardboard cutouts for a long time up that's hilarious recently. oh really my sister my sister my sister went and stole one from or took one from one of the nordstroms and uh or asked if she could have sure. it yeah. And she had it, and then I somehow ended up with it. But then, um, you know, moving over the years, yeah. my head got broken <laughs> off. Jeremy's arm came off. You know, stuff. That'd like be that. cool to see if you if you have any photos laying around somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the. Did you? Well, did you ever see the actual photo from the shoot? From the yeah, I've seen that, no? but not the cardboard okay. cutouts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I, yeah, some I, good memory. I don't have a photo of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure maybe some somewhere somebody maybe has. One, I should check, I check eBay, see if somebody's selling yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, or going to like the Nordstrom's, yeah, whatever, warehouse. like archive <laughs> warehouse. Whatever. That's awesome. See Jeremy's face collecting dust. Yeah. But, yeah. <sighs> but yeah. So yeah, but yeah, luckily, luckily that was just a big oops rather than like us like being complete idiots. So or no, no, we were being idiots actually. No, I, I, I correct myself. We made a big mistake. But it's Nils Bernstein's fault. It was Nils' yeah, it's fault. His fault. All right, noted. And Nate's. And Nate's. Nate got it. Got it. Are there no. any other untold stories or, or things that uh, people might not know about uh, surrounding the making of this album or um, Sunny Day in general? Might be fun to share. We had a weird night in Japan on this tour. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the weird night in Japan. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Oh. <laughs> You want to take that? That night was so. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if I can because. You can just tell bits and pieces. That night was... No, no, but that was a tour story. That wasn't making oh, okay. the record. Well, but, uh... That's all fair. But, but it uh, reminds yeah. me. But that, that, night, that night was actually so, that night was so weird that my brain was actually unable to process it. So I don't know if I can explain it because it was so strange. <laughs> but, uh, it, 
but yeah, it basically, you know, it involved basically us essentially, uh, you know, performing for some Yakuza's, but it's a long we, story. We were forced <laughs> to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, but anyway, it's dude, it's such a bizarre story that I can't even start because I don't even, I don't even know how to articulate it. So. That story started with Joe yeah, Bay talking to someone on the phone in the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all you got. Well, I mean, know here's about an interesting that. story. <laughs> here's an interesting story. So after Jeff Palmer left, Joe Skyward, who passed away recent, well, three years. About what is it? A year ago now? It's about three, three years, years, three or four years. Three years. Jeez, man, hmm. three years seems like um, a year to me. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so. He had to learn how many was it? Nineteen songs in like five days to leave on tour. Yeah, yeah, and he wow. did it, dude. He was incredible. That's no amazing. I don't know how he did it, but he, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. So man, just working around the clock. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. So yeah, but it's so out of respect for and and you know in memory of Joe, yeah. I'd like to you know. Yeah, Bill wow. was awesome, awesome on that tour. He was amazing. Um, when yep. we did that record, I mean, basically we worked five day weeks, and we spent three months making it, and we did all of Bob Lang, and there was one restaurant we'd go to every day and get our lunch or our something. Remember that restaurant? Mm -hmm. It was like a deli slash restaurant. It was up the road, and we got almost all our food from yeah, there. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know. Aside from that, that's pretty much, pretty much it. Like, you know, uh, yeah, they're really, I mean, that's all that we can talk about. I guess it's <laughs> totally like, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Do you each have yeah. a favorite song on this album? Well, I can tell you one thing about two of them. This is something I thought about. Because I love the song, How It Feels. And mm -hmm. I had used, I had this Radio Shack mic. I had uh, this Radio Shack mic that was flat and I attached it to a door and I had Jeremy, How It Feels was the first one we did, vocal wise. And we got the take done and the microphone broke. And then I switched to like a, a Neumann mic, a U67 or something for the rest of the record. So if you ever listen to that song, it vocally sounds different than the rest of them because we used two different mics. <laughs> Oh, wow. But you got through all of how it feels with the first mic? The whole song, how it feels, has the, and it's a Radio Shack realistic mic. And if you listen to it, I think sonically that just sounds more like Jeremy sitting there singing to you as opposed to the rest of the record. Interesting. Okay. And so I always go between guitar and video games. And how it feels. Brad Wood still uses that mic. Still uses those. The yeah, those they're mics. great. Jeremy yeah. was the one that uh, turned me know. on to him. Jeremy bought him. He had one with his four track, and we were doing Frog Queen. He kept telling me, "I need this sound," and he kept pulling this mic out of like his, you know, little crate of things. And <laughs> he would play the. And he he wouldn't let me listen to the four track recordings on that record until it was over. He didn't let me hear the demos for it until we were done with Frog Queen. But he's the one that did that. Yeah, I think "Roses and Water" is probably my favorite track. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think. yeah. I think. I don't know. I go back. I but that and then uh, how it feels or um, 
Uh, Sharks own private mm-hmm. fuck sometimes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That song. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But hard to choose. You know. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear that. I didn't listen to that record for a really long time. And then I, you know, I decided to sit down and listen to it. And uh, it was definitely an interesting experience to hear it after so yeah. long to kind of have an objective an objective ear and i was like whoa this record's mm. really crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, really intense, you know? so yeah. yeah but yeah yeah wow that's it i think rose and water though probably is my favorite track not because of the ice cream but yeah. <laughs> that didn't hurt though right? the guitar yeah. the guitar on that dan's guitar playing on roses and water is amazing mm-hmm. I think it, you, yeah. I mean, even, you know, you listen to Pillars and you already know, okay, this is a departure from sound from the first two. But I think by the time you got to Roses and Water, it was very clear that this is um, a maturation and departure from the first two. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were a little bit uncertain, especially when we went out and started playing shows. And Greg, do we even play any old songs? Well, no, you, you had to show? play in circles and seven. In circles. Those were the two no, you no, added to like the Intel Fest. And by the time we were on tour, oh. you put blankets and uh, I can't remember if it was 48 or 47 yeah, yeah. or one of those. But I mean like the, the very first the very first show we played. Well, no, you did. The because we, I remember right after that, we did the Intel Fest. And I remember yeah. that everyone was singing in circles so loud that I couldn't hear <sighs> you guys anymore and i was freaking out because i'm sitting at the sound booth trying to mix you guys and all i could hear was people singing the lyrics in circles yeah there was a shit ton of people there was a yeah, shit it was ton freaky. of people on the stage <laughs> yeah and actually that was a really cool yeah. experience actually but uh but our first show back we play we only played how it feels and then we just yeah. played in circles yeah, at I the end so. i think so you guys didn't bring seven back yeah in and the record the record had and the record hadn't come out yet. So basically everybody came to hear all these these songs they'd never heard before and then one old that song. That sounds about but what you guys It was kind do. of a risky move. That, that sounds about mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> it was Seattle. And at that point, I think you probably had enough people that were just so happy to see you back on stage again and playing that they were just excited for all of that. Yeah. I mean, I to, to be able to like make stubbornly make that decision to only play you know the new songs that we had written no one had even heard them yet and one old song uh and have people still react the way they did um I, we felt very fortunate to have people be so re- be so patient yeah. with us <laughs> i guess or you know i don't know so yeah that's, so, that's really cool yeah we could have been a little bit yeah, we could have been a little bit less stubborn, but very cool of the people to still react to the new stuff. Yeah. I only got to see you guys live during the reunion tour. Um, by the time I really was getting into you, it was it was too late until 2009. Where, where did you see? What, what show? Where? Uh, so it was the Jealous Sound. Um, I've got a poster of it downstairs that... Uh, Tomo's wife mm. made Tomo Nakajama's. Oh, yeah, yeah. well, I forget um, her name, but it's the, it was a jealous sound. And I want to say it was, it was either the more or it was the Paramount. That would have been an old one. Okay, that would have so been, been, been the one. Paramount. It might have been the Paramount was when you guys got Paramount. back yeah, together Paramount, later, yeah, yeah. like after it's like two thousand whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so on the okay. reunion, yeah, yeah, that would have been the that's Paramount. probably what it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was yeah. great. I think 
it yeah. was it was just the first two albums that you were playing at that point yeah 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 four of you back pretty together, much so. yeah 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 i know yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny yeah i don't think this is ever going to happen but it was an idea that i had that i thought was a kind of a cool idea was but i don't think it'll ever happen but i always thought it would be kind of cool to do a tour that basically covered the you know um sort of like uh oh i don't know specific tracks from all four sunny day records and from the fire theft record and then even some jeremy jeremy's oh, solo stuff and put it into one like two and a half three hour long show oh, man, i almost <laughs> wish you haven't didn't even say that because uh <laughs> now like i'm just gonna lay awake wishing that that would happen so <laughs> yeah i mean you know uh i i mean i'm not saying it would ever happen but it was just an idea oh, it was a cool, a cool idea, idea. yeah I you know, and maybe something that could maybe happen when we're like, you know, 92 years old. Or I don't know. <laughs> so I can bring that up because we, so. we've talked about uh, Trevor specifically. Uh, he's been a fan of Sunny Day for a long time. And um, fortunately, he, he's exposed me to you guys and I've, I've gone back into it. I didn't uh, get exposed when I was when I was younger. But anyway, uh, he was saying, man, it's so so tough to pick a favorite album and favorite tracks. If I were to put together greatest hits album it'd probably be mm -hmm. two or three from each uh right trevor so yeah that'd kind of be your ideal be. live show they'd just pick a few from each yeah, and kind of be like That's a exactly right historical timeline through the catalog yeah. of music yeah which which ones to pick would definitely be a challenge that would be but, hard uh, yeah that would be i don't hard. think it would be that hard i could pick them out <laughs> <laughs> what, what would they be what what would what the top five maybe well see i would pick a little from each record yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I would definitely do that because I think there's all. I think there's, um, there's fun songs on every record, and then I, and then I would, you know, I, I would probably tell them they'd have to do seven and in circles, even though I probably have heard them enough times. Um, Williams sure. probably heard them enough times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there's that thing that uh, Cheap Trick did, where they basically would do like three. They would go and they would play three uh, nights in each city. And first night would be one record. Second night would be the other record. Third night would be this record, that kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll allow <laughs> that, thing. but that just means I'm going to have to travel to the different cities with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. No. But, I mean, I'm not saying it's, you know, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying yeah. it's just an idea that I had one day that I thought could be cool someday. But I don't know. Yeah. Are, there, are there any yeah. unreleased tracks tucked away anywhere that never made it? Oh yeah, I know the answer to that. I yeah. ha I have a CD full of uh, all good kinds ones. of stuff, from yeah. early on through Jeremy's solo stuff and. Oh man. You know, I have a That'd copy, awesome and I don't think they would ever let me give it. I, we pulled. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are demos, like and even stuff sure, where they hadn't yeah. written it. So, I you know the odds and ends yeah. record they did weeded out some of those. Mm -hmm. Probably the ones they'll be comfortable with yeah. but i still have a cd with a lot of stuff that the best of them that'll probably never yeah. see the light of day but that's up to those guys yeah yeah that's cool the answer would be yes <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> you know mainly our, our focus is um is how it feels but with time bomb well for lack of a better term blowing up <laughs> what do you think would have happened after the rising tide if Time Bomb really did what they were supposed to have done at the beginning and promoted you guys, and that must be something you think about sometime. Yeah, weren't you supposed to go on tour to Europe and then that 
kind of fell through that they, they didn't have funding i think i read is that is that how the story goes yeah 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 so basically yeah so time bomb basically got dropped by aristo like literally like like basically as we were finishing the record mm -hmm. pretty much so aristo just sort of released it just kind of threw it out there like as an obligation you know and uh like didn't didn't just literally didn't put any just nothing it just it may it didn't even exist to them it just sort of like ugh, you know so there was no support of any kind in any way and and um for and so that was a little bit difficult and then it sucks because then after that then we did the fire theft we signed a rico disc and they didn't get dropped by anybody they stayed a label but they didn't really do much as far as like trying to help get behind the band so you know but um you know what are you yeah. gonna do i don't know yeah you know it was just, uh, yeah, you know right. i did get to see fire theft um so I, I was excited to to get to do that at that point too but yeah i missed i missed all the earlier sunny day until uh, the reunion unfortunately yeah there's a lot of old footage from back then some of it's decent some of it's you know not the best quality, but you know, I've been throwing but, uh, YouTube videos at Shane right and left. They're definitely the John Stewart one was the first one I think I sent to you. And yeah, <laughs> God damn that was, that, dude, that was really, really yeah. scary. Actually, really? playing on, play on TV, playing oh, on yeah, TV, it just feels, it's so yeah, awkward. I bet. Sure. You scary, guys sounded awkward. great though. I, I think Jeremy sang the second verse again. I, I, if I remember listening to it, I think he, he might've forgot the, so I don't think the, the, reflected in savage shards line came out i think he he's saying the second line ag again or second verse again yeah 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 well hell i wouldn't be surprised man we were very, very we were so nervous. you're pretty no. young at the time i'm yeah. sure yeah that a lot of pressure going on tv oh yeah that's big I mean, shit i think jeremy was yeah. 18. I, jeremy was 18 i was or he was 19 i think i was just turning mm -hmm. 21 okay at that yeah. point so yeah. god yeah. man we were just yeah kids. Total, just yeah. kids yeah what an experience though i mean but yeah how, how uh exhilarating i'm sure at at that age to be doing something like that yeah it was really mm -hmm. surreal yeah, yeah i you know, know you mentioned that you guys never really expected bizarre. to be famous you know just just i don't even know if Sun, i wouldn't even we wouldn't even really consider we i, I don't even we're obvious i don't think we're not really famous sunny day is more infamous i think <laughs> well i mean with the with the right crowd i mean uh the right oh, yeah, genre yeah. is no, def I mean, definitely cool a very, very you know important part of uh that culture of music yeah i know when that we didn't even you know and it was it wasn't until way later that we or at least i became aware that there were people that actually listened to yeah. the records we made we, we've kind of joked uh, a couple times a few times that uh a lot of times sunny day shows up on you know list of best emo bands or or the the, the band that kind of paved the way for all these emo bands and and, and i i listened to it you know because i'm just diving into your guys stuff for the for the first time and i think i don't really i don't really hear that fact like i hear so many different genres of music being uh you know ventured into that like, yeah a lot of bands nowadays it's like well they could have picked some of that from you and i think a lot of bands have cited you guys as an inspiration but i would never have uh like yeah. classified you as a specific genre and, and not not so much emo but uh i don't know how you how you guys feel yeah, about I mean, I that, don't know. <laughs> that label well the whole the whole emo world word basically was from like you know a journalist using that as a way to uh to describe uh greg what was it remind me was it rights of spring that they were yeah. calling that in an article yeah. or was it forgot 
It was yeah. rites of spring. So that's they, where it originated. Yeah. yeah, that's where it originated. And then it somehow somehow made its way into the punk rock scene where people would basically call someone emo as an insult. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Meaning that they were someone that basically was kind Too of emotional uh, or something. I, no. no, no, like uh, I, um, uh, trying to, uh, you know, being at the front, uh, being right in front of the band, in front of everybody, and being the most into oh, okay. it, so everybody could see in a way that was very um, kind of seemed kind of yeah, contrived. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the whole, uh, you know, and, and emo, I guess, would mean emotional, right? So, but then yeah, thanks, I think emotional. Things saying that emotions are, you know, uh, emotional emotions in being a sort of like driving force behind music or creativity, having that be some sort of new genre doesn't yeah. make sense because that's been the driving force between that's art. That's what art is. Yeah, it's, always. it's a, an yeah. expression of emotion. So it's never made sense to me. It is what it is. People need to try to figure out a way to sort of like put something in a box, but ultimately something. Sunny Day Real Estate. Sunny Day Real Estate was just an experiment in people trying to like create yeah. songs. It was just they were just songs, really. That's all they were. Yeah. Greg, I wanted to give you a chance to to tell us a little bit about Greed Tone and and what you're doing with your time right now. Well, I mean, it kind of started out of this How It Feels record. The first pedal I made, I kind of finished as we were getting ready to leave on that tour and me and Jeremy went back and forth. And so I build pedals and amps and, you know, kind of took a hiatus, but getting ready to re-release it. And so I basically build amps and pedals and, uh, Jeremy, definitely my first pedal had a lot to do with just kind of making it what it is. So, and it was this record that did it. So I, we didn't use it on the record, but when we toured, we started using some of my stuff. Huh. Oh, wow. That's really um, cool. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. So on Sweet. the tours, the distortion that Dan and Jeremy were using were both stuff I had designed. Um, so that's, that's really what cool. they were playing. Can say, are there albums out there that are using your pedals that I might have heard? There is. Like, I mean, like, I know Porsche Bill the Man used it all over their record. Um, I know Pearl Jam was one of the first people to use it. They oh, used wow. it on their Riot Act nice. records. Um, and I know there's lots of other ones, but I, you know, off the, I, them Crooked Vultures, that was a band that okay. used a bunch of my stuff. I know that even Bad Bad Religion has used some of it. So at this point, there's a lot, probably more than I would even realize. Yeah, Paul of Troy yeah. is another band that uses Greed Tone that's in the Seattle area. Um, but yeah, I've sold them to people all over the world. So there's all types. I've been seeing you. I've been seeing green tone amps popping up all over the place. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, wow. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That, yeah really sometimes cool. I forget how many of these things I made, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what I do. That's really cool. I, I've got awesome. a bunch of friends that, that <laughs> would definitely want to check them out. Once again, just in case you disappear, Greg, I just want to say, how appreciative of your time oh, yeah. we both are. Yeah, no so problem. Much, both you guys. And uh, it's just it's been, been a lot of fun. Really, really awesome um, to get to talk with you. And I will. I do have another question to, to ask Will before he goes. But um, just oh yeah, work it, work right? him over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting really dark where I'm at. Yeah, but for it's sure. still oh, man, it's beautiful. Yeah, you, you there's just a out, lake out, out there. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, we're just up. 
I'm just up north. I have a better understanding now Sweet. as to why it was so hard for Greg to actually get a connection now. Yeah, right. No, I had to drive. Yeah. I had to drive to the closest yeah, not lodge. Yeah, the best Wi-Fi up there. And and <laughs> no, I didn't have any Wi-Fi, and I had to drive to a lodge that was like 30 miles away just oh, to get oh, man. reception. We definitely appreciate that. <laughs> and then I had to wow. charge my phone all day. Wow, it was it was a little difficult, but I figured so it'd be worth it. Literally. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Wow. Thanks for having yeah, me. Appreciate awesome. that. Very cool. And then to wrap it up for you, Will, just we talked before we kind of officially got everybody here, but can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now with Assertion? And yeah, yeah, no, I just uh, basically kind of sort of hiding from music for about nine years, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I came across, well, um, Justin had reached out to uh, my wife and he said, hey, will you tell your husband to uh, thank you for some of the music and records he's made because they inspired me to do this, that, the other thing. And, and that's why I started playing drums and stuff. And, but he also he plays guitar too. But, uh, and so she, she told me that and she said, also, you know, uh, you should check out this guy actually teaches uh, drums. We well, teach his guitar too, but he, he teaches music to children with autism. Hmm. And, and uh, our son, our five-year-old son, Logan has autism. Okay. And so I was very, I, that kind of really kind of got my attention. So I started looking into that. Then I talked to him. We had a conversation. <laughs> um, I totally was blown away by the band he was doing with his kids. It kind of made me realize that I needed to, that I needed to bring that part of myself in my life into my kids' mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. yeah. Connect yeah. with them. And that I needed to stop. Yeah. That I basically that I needed to stop avoiding playing yeah, music sure <laughs> and uh and so yeah and then uh and so i was like hey man maybe i could just sit in as second drummer <laughs> with you and uh and, you know and dahlia and lucian and dahlia said <laughs> no because she was like he said it's a family band so no <laughs> but uh but then we jammed together and that was fun and so she'd become more open to the idea but then justin and i started just playing the two of us and then brian our bass player brian gorder who Justin has another band with came over and we started playing the three of us and just song after song after song sort of started just writing themselves. Yeah. And uh, so we've been working on a record. We had a little bit of an interruption, partially because a lot of the chaos going on right now. Yeah. And also, also Justin was out of town for a while. Then we were out of town, as you know, for a while. And then just today was our first time that we've been able to come back and get together and actually play for the first time in nice. a long time. So, Got about half of the half of the record done. Oh, cool! And we've released four songs that are actually going to be on the record on Bandcamp just to do it, just because it's nice. taking so long. So. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's going well. What What, what yeah. can you tell us about the sound? I mean, I, I know you you uh you you sent us the tracks and where people can find it. We're going to check it out. But how would you describe kind of the the vibe that you guys are going for? Man, I, I yeah, I mean they're they're very they're deeply okay. personal. Sure. <laughs> and once yeah. again and um yeah there you'd, you'd have to hear it so you haven't heard no, any of it huh? no we yeah. tried to find it but um couldn't get to any of them so uh yeah no but i definitely um i'm very happy with the direction that it's going That's great for sure awesome. so, yeah 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 it feels good to just be able to like actually write mm -hmm. yeah. again to create again yeah yeah and it's you know and it's 
fortunately it's you know one of those sort of egoless collaborations mm-hmm. you know where everybody there aren't any assholes in the band that's so that's yeah, good that always <laughs> so <that> helps, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely yeah awesome. so so yeah so it's definitely a very yeah like it's it's an egoless collaboration for cool. sure yeah so it's very that's cool. great and it's been cool that, like um the process of i mean i got to give justin Tominga the credit because he's really the one that's that's doing it but the process of actually like producing the record ourselves and you know it's improving as we go and learning yeah learning more and uh, it's been a very cool process so yeah yeah that makes that that makes it more exciting there's another another element that you got to kind of figure out yeah other than just playing the music yeah it takes a little bit it's been taking a little bit longer because we're listen, literally like because we'll have a huge breakthrough you know and it'll be like oh man now there's these songs that didn't have the breakthrough though so we never have to go back and remix so it's it's tricky but but uh, yeah, but about half the record is done. Cool. So, is that is that inspiring a, another another passion in you? I mean, just like the the newness of learning that aspect and not knowing as much. Whereas you know, like drums, you've been doing your whole life, and you kind of got kind of got that mastered. You know, like a, a new challenge. Yeah. At the same time, Justin is definitely you know at the helm. Sure. Though, you know, yeah. He and I are working together on a lot of the mixes, but Justin is engineering. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So, yeah. You know. So. And I'm trying to learn more as we go as well. So, but uh, but yeah, um, I provide more of an of an ear and more of like uh, you know just a second yeah sort of like perspective to try to like uh, you know we definitely work together on trying. We both know we both know when something has gotten to the place we want it. You know, we'll both be like, oh, okay, there yeah, it is. right, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, you know, but um, that's fun. And, you know, Justin sometimes is, uh, you know, there'll be something that I'm like, there's a song that we just released a couple days ago and, and the basic sort of like skeleton, the, that song, Justin, it basically come up, he'd come up with that song like three years ago in 2017 and then had just been sitting on it, not doing anything with it. And he played it for me and I was like, so what you gonna do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, because I was like, man, I don't think you realize this, but in my opinion, this is a song. This is one of those songs that's really, really unique. It's really, really special. It really, really hit me, and I was like, would you be interested in reapproaching this song? You know, like mm-hmm. with me. And he was like, oh, well, I was kind of hoping you'd want to. I was oh, like, was hoping wow. you were just hoping yeah. you were just yeah. Yeah. so. Yeah, and actually, that's the song that I sent. The first song that I sent you guys. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the um, uh, set set on fire. Let's see. I think set fire. Yeah. See. Set fire. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'll, and actually, that onto Shane yeah. too. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, Justin, Justin's two kids, uh, Dahlia and Lucian, they actually sing from Pigs Now. They sing on that song too. Cool. How yeah. old are those kids? Oh God, is Lu- Lucian is he fifteen now? And I th- and uh, is Dahlia? God, is she thirteen? Oh wow! I'm excited to hear think, that. That'd be cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that song is very, very haunting. Really? But um, huh. but also after this, I'll send you the other tracks. But yeah, you guys should uh, check yeah, them out. Let will, me know what you. Sure. 
And then if you don't, if you don't like them, just, you can just be like, cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, you, you said, uh, you, you took kind of a nine year hiatus from music. Was it just, uh, you know, a little bit of burnout just doing it all those years? I mean, yeah, well, I mean, um, so I was in a band called Brawley Banks and then around that time also Sunny Day did the reunion thing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Brawley Banks tracked a record at my house and then Sunny Day Real Estate tracked not a full record, but seven songs, you know, that were going to be in the direction of a new record. And, uh, and there were some issues that were going on with my band, Brawley Banks, our bass player moved to Guam. Mm -hmm. uh, our guitar player quit. Our singer decided that he didn't want to sing. So we had tracked the record and then all, and then everything was basically done, but with no vocals. And then we tracked the Sunny Day record and then some shit went south with that. And then, so the tracks were, seven of the tracks were there, one of which ended up being released with vocals, but then the other six with no, you know, no vocals. So I became- and That was Lipton Witch, right? Lipton yeah. Witch was the one yeah, yeah, yeah. with the vocals, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I became a little bit, um, uh, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. Yeah, you know? just, yeah. Like, you know, I almost felt like there was a force like preventing me from, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, like put in, all that effort into it and then not, yeah. not as much as you expected. Yeah, it, it really kind of, yeah. I mean, it basically, yeah. It, I, the only way I can describe it is it kind of gave me musical PTSD <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't want to, I uh, just needed to step so, away for a while. Yeah. And to the point where I couldn't even listen to music. I didn't even listen to any music for hmm. nine years. Like wow. just, any music would just make me just, I, I just didn't want to hear, even hear it. So, hmm. so yeah. And then, you know, you get busy, you know, you've, we had kids and then, you know, fighting and then, you know, fight to fighting to survive, trying to figure out a way to like, you know, make money uh, other, you sure. know, that, you know what I mean? Which mm -hmm. is tricky when, you know, you were playing music and you know i mean there was a while where i made money from music but that was just a little while you know but i mean uh you know it's not like i had a backup plan <laughs> yeah, so, you know yeah. so you know that's been an interesting sort of way thing to, to navigate yeah but so um, it's kind of in a re rebirth process at the moment then with the new band yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah that's very exciting so that's, cool yeah so, yeah. well, just on a person to person level, I'm really glad that you're through it. And then as a fan of your music, I'm, I'm really happy that you're, you're back to doing it too. So on both those things, I'm, I'm really glad yeah. you're at that, you're at that place. Sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that one song I sent you is really special. Well, and so, so that song, and then there's going to be another song I send you after that. That's called supervised suffering. Okay. And that song, that song is also extremely special all the songs i we feel really good about but these two tracks are really mean a lot to us so okay yeah you know i'm excited to hear yeah those. yeah so am I. yeah yeah Keep it all outside, no We, we should give you your rest of your evening back. There's not a whole lot of it left but um yeah. but thank you so much for your yes, time thank you and, thank you um, thank you all, where are you guys right now so I'm in San Francisco, but I'm I'm Seattle. I'm Seattle. I mean, I I've, oh, okay, I've grew right. up in South. That's that's where that is. But 
He's he's I'm from back home in Iowa. Iowa. So yeah. we do oh, wow. this. I've traveled I've traveled a lot for work. Uh Trevor and I are both physical therapists and we met at a oh. we met at a conference. Um how many years ago now? Was that twenty sixteen maybe? Maybe even a little bit before yeah. that. Yeah. Just yeah. stayed in touch through Facebook and you know, we we talk shop, talk healthcare, medicine and stuff. We also talked a lot of music and we we discovered that we're both huge fans of music, uh, like to dive into lyrics and, and stuff. So Trevor approached me. He's like, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing a podcast, maybe something on PT and exercise, health and fitness. But I'm also kind of thinking music. What do you think? We just toy with some ideas. And so we're kind of just running with it. It's, it's been it's been awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, no, uh, that's cool. I didn't know you guys were physical therapists physical therapist that's really cool yeah i i had heard that you know you had to go through a lot of i think rolfing is was what worked for you yeah you were telling me about that you read the, that that's cool yeah. i mean that was like 17 months of touring with foo fighters plus everything else that just your body just took was a like, toll on you yeah 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 and then the touring after that and you know my my approach wasn't i didn't have the most um i mean i you know i i didn't i didn't learn how to play drums i taught myself so my technique wasn't exactly proper oh. <laughs> so uh, well it works and uh, yeah well yeah but i mean you know i paid, hit really paid hard the price yeah right yeah that yeah. definitely did and uh uh so yeah no it was a very difficult and grueling road to get literally have my body rebuilt yeah. you know by this by this genius woman but a uh, painful process but definitely like any, if anybody's like dealing with any chronic anything that they can't seem to figure out a way to like get past, I'm always like, well, you know, you could always try that because, you know, that definitely, it definitely worked for me. I'm so, glad it did. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. 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 Actually, I could, I could, I could stand to actually do another series of sessions again, to be honest, actually. Man, it's like some of those yeah. things where it's like, <laughs> shoot, uh, to thank, to thank you for, spending the time with us we, we we probably wish we could just like get in there and help you if you needed it right now <laughs> we're too far away but oh man yeah I, mean, I, yeah. I appreciate it but sorry i didn't mean to you know spend more time i just uh it's cool i i i appreciate that what you guys do physical Thank you. therapy yeah. appreciate that yeah, yeah for sure appreciate that we cool. really appreciate your music and thank you you know your part in sunny day real right estate on. yeah well, cool thank, thank you guys you. thank you so yeah, much man, yeah we really appreciate your time yeah. william once we hang up, I'll uh, I'll send those other tracks to you. Okay, guys. sweet, perfect, perfect. Well, good luck, cool. good luck with your project. I can tell you're you're really passionate about it, and and uh, you know got high hopes for it. So we hope everything goes well, and thank you. We'll be in touch in the future and following your stuff, and you know who knows, cool. maybe we'll cross paths right. again. Indeed, thank you guys. Awesome, right. appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks for your time. Have a good night. Yeah, have a good right. one. Good night. If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time.